Hi, I'm Tony. And I'm Patrick. We want to welcome you to another uh, discussion from Cave to the Cross Apologetics, and we're working our way through How to Be an Atheist by Mitch Stokes, and we have gotten to the uh, eighth chapter where he talks about, he's in the section on science. Right. right. And uh, this is the, uh, he says, the current crisis. So last time we talked about um this issue of realism and instrumentalism in science and how uh, they worked. And he suggested that from an instrumentalist perspective, in fact, he says, in the last chapter, we consider reasons to think that science might not tell, he tells us, the sober truth about the world beyond observation. So that would be an instrumentalist perspective, right? Instrumentalist says, we don't care about the truth. Just as long as the theory works, yeah. right? That's the kind of <clears throat> they're the opposite of uh, Tom Cruise and <clears throat> yeah. you know the courtroom scene. Yeah. I want I want what works. Yeah. <laughs> That's the Jack Nicholson. That's right, right. So uh, so so we now have come to a an issue that he wants to talk to us about with regard to physics. Right? Yeah, but this one he titles uh, the current crisis. But uh, I think we've been <clears throat> in crisis as far as the 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 public kind of perception of what science is. It's not that. It's not that uh, bleak of a, of a plug and chug your numbers uh, that we went over in the in the past couple chapters, um, but here we're going to take a look at um, kind of our reigning theories of the day, and we yeah. we we start with a look back at well, what about the past theories? Was it just well, you know, uh, the the scientists of the day kind of went along and used what they could, but really knew that they didn't really have all the answers. Well, no, in fact, the history of it, um, at least it, where he starts is he starts with Newton. Mm -hmm. And so he uh, provides this this overview that says, you know, um, for pretty much 2,000 years, science was done um, with this uh, kind of uh, Aristotelian uh, model of, you know, uh, Things go up because that's the way that they were designed to, and things go down because that's that's their nature. Yeah, that's their nature. Yeah. That's something that's yeah. within itself that's that right. that directs. Yeah. And Newton comes along with his fancy calculus, or Leibniz, or really probably both of them at the same time. And <laughs> although not, I think Newton won, <clears throat> at least we give Newton the, uh, yeah. the victory. I mean, right? he, he's the Sir and the <laughs> Sir Isaac Newton. There. Um, but uh, but he comes along and and gives meaning to the chaotic behavior of physical objects in uncanny detail. So here comes Newton and and I mean he had backings in, in fact his 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 knighting is even a political maneuver by the queen at the time to kind of curry favor. So um, his his benefits for science is I mean huge. You can't touch on the history of Thought, philosophy, science—really anything—without uh, without, without uh, acknowledging what Newton did yeah. as far as uh, as a revolution. Yeah, part of the importance of it is how he attached mathematics to it. Right, right, right yeah, uh, and and we kind of uh, same thing with Galileo. It seems looking back on it, we go, oh well, you know, all all you had to do was drop an orange and a, a grape and go. <laughs> well, they both fall at the same at the same speed. Why wouldn't you just do that? Well, no, it's. You know, there, there's always kind of those defeaters that we talked about where, um, you know, you you just, you know, it was the wind or, uh, you know, you you drop the, the hammer and the bowling ball. And, well, of course, the bowling ball is going to hit because of, you know, the wind. And But if we we're able to do it on the moon and then 
when yeah. we were able to go to the moon, we, we proved that Galileo mm-hmm. was even right back then. <laughs> um, so that they fall at the same rate. Right, right. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, uh, even at one sixth the gravity. <laughs> uh, so during the 16th, 17th century, uh, uh, scientists even applied um, his physics uh, so much so that they thought it was the answer for almost everything, including things that aren't physical, uh, th- that are physics, which are chemistry and biology. They they really tried to um, factor in this mathematical approach, this this new scientific approach that kind of Newton. Uh, um, uh, popularized, came up with, um, and turned about. Um, so much so that uh, Lord Kelvin from, you know, zero degrees Kelvin, which is all <laughs> matter in the universe, um, announced that physics was complete. How about look that? Look at that. Yeah, we Newton didn't have to did it. Right? Any more he, yeah, work. Newton's it deal was, yeah, he, right. was, he was the end all and be all of physics, right? right? They, they, were, they were coming up with things, they were finding real answers, and real answers that were true. That they, it wasn't a, an approximation as far as they were. It worked. In fact, a Newtonian mechanics is is still taught, and we still think in Newtonian ways because of just how great it is. I mean, you really don't get into quantum mechanics and and general relativity unless you're taking kind of third third level uh, physics in, mm. in, in college. So, I mean, uh, you, you do, you, you even do Newtonian mechanics in college as well until they pull the rug out from underneath you until it's a different story. Um, so, uh, Lord Calvin here says, you know, we pretty much got everything handled except for these, uh, what he calls dark clouds on the horizon, things that, you know, kind of muddled, but we'll get there. We'll eventually get there. We just need to, you know, hone the math or, or um, come up with new technology. And so, there again, what we talked about before is scientists have this really difficult um, approach of defeating their, their theories. They don't you know, say, well, here are a few places where Newtonian mechanics seems to to, to, to be strained. Or, yeah, 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 it's hard. Yeah. You know, they they really couch it in that kind of. Yeah, well, but they you don't know. give up the theory, right? Right, yeah. right. right. <laughs> they don't say, well, it's good enough for now, but we definitely know it's not true, um, especially because uh, instrumentalism it kind of comes at a later time, or at least uh, has a wider acceptance at a, at a later time, and so um, uh, with this. Uh, this dark clouds on the horizon. It turned out to be exactly where uh, quantum theory and relative and relativity comes in and pretty much uh, takes the knees out from uh, from underneath uh, Newton and Einstein and uh, the the people that came up with quantum uh, uh, theory kind of reign for for a while. Is uh, as of right now. So that's what we're going to be looking at. Is we're going to be explaining to you. <laughs> through Mitch Stokes, uh, <laughs> anything to do with quantum theory or relativity. Yeah. yeah, so he says, although Newton's Newtonian mechanics is an excellent approximation for medium-sized dry goods at velocities <laughs> far below the speed of light, when we address the most fundamental aspects of physical reality, when the universe redlines, he tells us, yeah. physics becomes an extreme sport, and we need quantum mechanics and general relativity. Right. So Newton does... I'm sorry, Lord Calvin, right? You were wrong. <laughs> Newton d- did was not the be-all and end-all, right? right? In fact, we progressed beyond Newton in the early part of the uh, latter part of the 19th, early part of the 20th century, mm-hmm. where we uh, quantum mechanics and general relativity were developed. He says uh, these two, both of these, though, they need one another. Neither of them, notice this, neither of them can account for physical reality alone. <laughs> 
right? <laughs> so neither quantum mechanics nor uh, uh, general relativity can work on their own. So quantum mechanics talks about the very small, right? General rel relativity, relativity talks about the large, right. and the very large yeah. and even medium sized. Newton is okay for yeah. medium sized yeah. stuff, right? Right. right? But when you get beyond that, you know, or you get way, or, or, uh, in terms of very large, like, yeah. you know, black holes and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Stars, and you get, yeah, yeah, get below that in terms of, the, you know, these quantum particles, Newtonian physics fails us. Mm. And so we have these two theories now that work that work for different aspects of reality right <laughs> yeah. yeah but the problem is and he calls this uh, section in the book a strained relationship right right so so again <laughs> look back at at what calvin is saying what what newton probably understood is hey i might have i mean he was a little bit probably on the spectrum but he uh he, he probably thought you know i finally cracked this code with with this this uh this calculus deal and so this dark clouds thing, eh, it's there, but you know we're kind of treating it as a we'll we'll eventually get there. We're in the early stages. Uh, we're we're now in that period of yep, we got it figured out. Look, we've got the atom bomb, we got the the computer chip. Um, we're able to 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 um, photograph a, a, uh, with mathematical certainty a, a black hole. Um, we're able to test uh, the bending of of light uh, in in gravity. This is amazing. But here, as you're saying, the, the two are diametrically opposed to each other, but we kind of consider it as science. It's true. It's, yeah. It works. Yeah. It's the truth. We've got there. It's just we, we kind of got to work out the middle. So it's the opposite of what Newton is. So maybe the next one will factor in all three. <laughs> so he tells us our two pillars, that is quantum mechanics and general relativity, um, are logically incompatible. Right. right with one another and so at least if that's the case then at least one of them has to be wrong right i mean if they're logically they tell us different stories he says about the unobservable world right so um uh, so although you know uh, uh, they both work within their domains they are they don't work when you try to apply one in the domain of the other right. and so we know that one you know either they're both you know wrong mm -hmm. or at least one of them is right. wrong and we right. have to figure out a way to to make these things work yeah. together right so um he says uh though but he tells us few outs few outsiders have heard of the irreconcilable differences between general relativity and quantum mechanics and then he um he quotes brian green here he says in all but the most extreme situations physics physicists study things that are either small and light like atoms and their constituents, or things that are huge and heavy, like right. stars and galaxies, yeah. but not both, right? This means that they uh, they need use only quantum mechanics or only general relativity and can, with a figurative or flirtive, rather, glance, shrug off the barking admonition of the other, right? <laughs> right? So I'm, you know, I'm focusing on quantum mechanics, you're focusing on general relativity, and they work in the areas that we're trying to focus mm -hmm. on, right? Either uh, quantum mechanics with its very small atoms and all of those little subatomic particles and that sort of thing, or the very huge and heavy stars and galaxies that we work right. um, um, general relativity in. <laughs> rel relativity in. But 
Um, and so mine works, right? And yours works, but not together. Right. right? And for 400 years, we've been teaching um, uh, elementary to college-age students uh, the, the, the middle and so everyone's able to do that old Newtonian mechanics. And so the, the, the medium kind of gets lost in it because, uh, you know, everybody, everybody can do that. So that's not the, uh, the, the cutting edge of science. You, you, <laughs> you have to be able to uh, come up with uh, weird equations with uh, letters instead of numbers. So he tells us that physics needs a theory that can combine or unify these uh, desperate phenomena. For example, there are physical situations where physicists would really like to use both theories simultaneously, <laughs> right? But they're not able to, right? For, ex for instance, for extreme physical situations that are both massive and tiny. Well, you need to use both of the theories in those, kinds of, in those types of situations, but we're not able to because the two theories are incompatible, right? right? So when, when the mass of a star, for instance, or a universe is packed into a volume smaller than an atom, we have to take gravity into account along with quantum effects. So mm -hmm. there, again, is an example where we need both of them, and we're unable to do it. Right. Right? We need a, we might say, a quantum gravity uh, theory that we don't have. Right? Uh, so the idea here is we need a unif unified theory. That's the search right now that we're going through. Uh, and we don't have a unified theory, and so physics, as a result of that, is incomplete. Mm -hmm. Right? It's incomplete. Right. It's this thing where it, on on two sides of the the equals, you you get a you you could get a zero, but there's some missing variable there that scientists are just sure is there because look, you have one that you have the x equals quantum mechanics, and that works for that side of the equation. And Y works on that side of the equation for, you know, the, 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 the small things for, for quantum. And so that scientists have this, this attempt to um, say, well, there's probably something that combines these together because they work. Yeah. But yeah. as we, we saw with Newtonian mechanics, Sometimes it's it's just all wrong, and yeah. you have to you have to come up with different theories. So here's their attempt, still, which we are in the process of, uh, as as far as 2019 is concerned. If you're from the future and you you're looking back at how primitive we were, it's true because <laughs> we and this is the point is we need to be intellectually honest with what science says and does, and so this is what um, scientists are attempting to do with kind of building this unified yes. between the two, so unifying come up, both theories. Exactly. So they've come up with several theories here, or at least a couple of ways to do this. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. String theory. Yeah. String theory, which <laughs> makes uh, very much sense that we're going to not read directly from the book, but uh, but th this is the thing. So um, so w one of these theories is, is pro probably you've seen on Big Bang Theory or Fringe or, you know, pick your pick your gobbledygook, uh, you know, Star Trek where you, you can just say the word string theory in quantum fields and, you know, zeta reticuli particles and, <laughs> and you know, you just go, yeah, that sounds like science-y words. Um, so uh, the, the string theory is uh, an attempt to develop a, a, this, this unified field of uh, unified theory of gravity. And you have it also called super strength theory, and it's uh, it's pretty much been started since 1984. Uh, it's radically changed our views about the fundamentals of reality so much so that we no longer consider elementary uh, the, the 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 particles like electrons, quartz, and and you know bosons and all that stuff. We don't 
consider them elementary or, or fundamental. Instead, they're composed of these strings. They're not just a single point. They go somewhere into this, this string type thing, and uh, the scientists who know these things are able to do things with them and, and come up with, with um, mathematical equations that seem to try and get to the truth or a working truth, yeah. probably. Yeah. So uh, according to superstring theory... So these particles are made up of strings. Yeah. That's the idea, right? right? Yeah. So every, every particle <laughs> is composed of tiny fil filament of energy some hundred billion, billion times smaller than a single atomic nucleus. Wow. So that's... You can't... I, I mean, mean, that's can't, so yeah, small. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You're going to have to come up with uh, you know a, a different version of, uh, of the electron microscope because it's even more than that. Um, and its shape is a string. So think of it like a violin string that it, you can pluck and it vibrates in different patterns. Each will produce a musical tone. And uh, we even see that in the, the medium size. So these vibrations, though they don't produce musical notes, the theory claims that they produce different particle properties. Mm. So, mm. Yeah. You know, the negative charge, the positive charge is there, whatever the quarks are supposed to do. Um, all, all those uh, have have their kind of basic building blocks within the this, this string. So it's, you know, that, that uh, kind of uh, uh, Zeno's paradox where, you know, at, at what point do you divide until you're at infinity or zero and you're just never going to get there. So <laughs> it seems what it's going to be doing. So string theory attempts to unify all these particles into a single kind, and it, it's extremely attractive. Why? Because it explains why particles like electronic quartz, leptons, have characteristics that they have. Whether or not that's true, we don't know, but hey, it attempts to explain why, which uh, is interesting because the, the why seems to uh, to fall back into our philosophy mm. uh, theory. Why, why do things do things rather than what do they do? Right. right. So this is uh, uh, kind of stomping on hollow ground of, <laughs> of old. Uh, so it accounts for all four forces, uh, things like, um, let's say I, I had the, the four, uh, gravity is one. And Electromagnetism, strong and weak. Yeah, yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah. Um, yep, uh, nuclear forces. Uh, so it attempts to unify all physics. So the big, the small, and then everywhere in between kind of gets brought along in, into those. Uh, our universe is actually composed of nine spatial dimensions along with a single time dimension. Our universe has ten dimensions instead so of four. this is according to strings. Right, like and according to strings. So if you think of, of what our current theory is, is the three, you know, length with height, the point, and then time uh, from from Einstein using it. Um, and So now we get ele ten dimensions. Yeah, at, right? at the very least. I yeah. always joke about 222 because that's one of the, the outlandish theories because you, you, how do you imagine 222? And there, there's a really good book by uh, Ed, Edwin Abbott, Abbott, who is so good he has to repeat his last name twice um called uh, flat world that is really good because it it talks about you know imagine that you're a a, a shape that's on a two-dimensional plane what would interacting with a third dimensional object within your world attempt to look like so you know you have you have the um the uh the 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 pyramid come down into the flat world and it starts off as a point and then gets to a line and then a bigger line and a bigger line and a bigger line until it finally takes up you know the entirety of your horizon and then disappears well what was that well it was, it was a point and then a line that's amazing uh, oh but from a third dimensional point of view it it's, a it's a pyramid yeah. interacting with a flat plane hmm. so that's a really good book that um 
that kind of says, okay, well, you know, why should we take nine dimensions as, you know, able to be thought of? Well, it's because you exist within the th three dimensions that you experience. And so how do you get outside that? And so mm -hmm. for people who kind of scoff it off like I do, um, there's always that book that makes you go, huh, okay. He does make the point here that string theory is really a almost kind of a throwback with regard to Pythagorean, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, the Greeks, the early yeah. Greeks, Pythagoreans, right, mm -hmm. who uh, also argued that uh, math was kind of the basic idea of nature, and they got that from musical notes, right? So mm -hmm. these strings, right, that each of the various... Uh, yeah. Uh, musical notes. Right? Let me see that with octaves and fifths and fourths and whatever the. Uh, I mean, I, Einstein, as a hobby, played the violin, and that's, there's probably a, uh, a a good story within that to to harken back to Pythagoras and <laughs> and yeah. uh, his point. So we've come come you know full circle. Yeah, right? full back string to, circle. To, yeah, yeah. To, yeah, to Pythagorean theory. All right, and of course, the mother of all string theories, he tells us, is M theory, right? He says, as it turns out, though, there are five <coughs> different kinds of string theories, each with characteristics working in uh, respective domains. Um, one of the uh, contributors of string, uh, string theory says that for a, a theory that makes the claim of providing a unified framework for all physical laws, it is the supreme irony that the theory itself appears so disunified, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> he says, the theory itself is not unified. To, to someone learning the theory for the first time, it is often a frustrating collection of folklore, rules of thumb, and intuition. <laughs> and at times, there, yeah, there seems to be no rhyme or reason for many of the conventions of the model. So string theory itself may not be the final theory we're looking for, mm. right? And so what we come up with then is a, a second string theory revolution. So the first one was in 1984. This one happened, he uh, tells us, in 1995. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, a second super string theory revolution. And it was called uh, M theory, mm -hmm. right? So he says, we met M theory when Hawking's and, uh, you know, and, and uh, his uh, co-author, employed it in their argument for a universal uh, universe that spawned from nothing. Right. In theory, recall, is the unified theory Einstein was hoping to find, the one that will, after 3,000 years, show us the grand design, right? And so M theory is a network of theories in which each theory is um, good at describing phenomena within certain ranges. Mm -hmm. So that's the basic idea of M theory, right? And in you other just words, need multiple M theories. So M M theories yeah. and within multiple universes. So M M M M theories. So that's it's just right. the M and M theory. Yeah. yeah. So M theory uh, requires additional spatial dimensions over the individual string theories, bringing the total dimensions now to eleven. So we've popped up another dimension <laughs> here, right? So uh, so we're recreating uh, dimensions with these theories. The problem, though, he tells us, is not enough evidence, mm -hmm. right? He says, but there are very serious problems with all forms of string theory, including M-theory. particularly troublesome one is that there isn't any, notice, empirical evidence for them, nor perhaps can there be. Yeah. So there's no evidence for these, right? We, we, there's no way for us to make any empirical. In other words, uh, you know, and this is, uh, you know, they're unobservable. And 
they are more than unobservable. We can't even observe what there's what the implications that they give us, right? So, so this is a problem. This is a pretty dismal situation for empiricism, right? He says one of the problems related to this lack of empirical support is that there are a lot of individual uh, string theories within the five classes of string theories, as many as ten to the you ready, five hundredth power. Yeah. Right. And this is one of those cases where more isn't better, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like golf score. You want yeah. you, you want to get to one. <laughs> yeah. So those uh, so string theories that we know how to study are known to be wrong. That's the problem. And those that we cannot study are thought to exist in such a vast numbers that no conceivable experiment could ever disagree with them all. Mm-hmm. So the ones that we know of are wrong. The ones that we can't. Uh, that we don't know of or that we think are, we can't uh, have any experience to or experiment rather to show whether or not right. they, they're wrong. Right. The, this isn't or like, right. like games of free sell where it's you just got to figure out the right collection of cards and each game can be won. Uh, you know, ten, 10 to the 500th power is 10, or, you know, one with 500 zero zeros next to it uh you know that's a that's a large number so much so that uh google wouldn't even name its next search engine after it but um but you have um this this uh kind of reverse uh uh idea that that science has has kind of uh come up with on the back end where uh, again what we looked at is this instrumentalism saying well we don't know if it's true we don't care that it's true but it works. And so you can almost say, at least that's your starting point as far as if, if you if you want to be a good scientist, if you want to have a good understanding of science, at, at the very least, it should work. But here it seems like they're doing the reverse or yeah. what they're, you know, kind of uh, hawking at uh, the, the, the old system of philosophy or even um, of theology and saying, well, we know it's true. And now we just got to go hunt for the right yeah. theory. And once that clicks in, boy, we're just going to go out with a bang. Right. And so he tells us the reason why they believe that it's true or they believe that it's in the right approach is because of the beauty and elegance of these theories, right? And clearly, a beautiful theory <laughs> cannot be wrong, right? Well, I mean, it's, E equals MC squared. That's all you need yeah. to blow up the world yeah. or go really, so beautiful. really fast. Yeah. Or, you know, in that case, not beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> he says, me might wonder why physics, we might wonder why physics. Physicists uh, would be so enthusiastic about a theory that has no empirical confirmation as yet, right? That we can't we can't test or anything. Well, one reason is that string theory promises to be extremely elegant and beautiful, right? And uh, and there's a good precedent for precedent for these virtues, right? That is beautiful, elegant theories. You know, after all, Einstein developed this theory, as you mentioned, E mm-hmm. equals M C squared and relativity and that kind of stuff. And the reason why Einstein pressed these theories uh, and finally you know they won the day to a certain extent is because they were so elegant and so they they were so beautiful and so they had to be right right sure <laughs> why, and, why not I mean, so, 10, to, 10 to the 500th power you got to start somewhere yeah, so that's right. <laughs> and elegant sounds like just the the, the peachy keen uh, first step and so these theories that we can't test empirically uh, seem to be so beautiful, but one physicist blames this, you know, beauty approach and elegance approach on Einstein. He says, <laughs> unfortunately, Einstein himself bears a lot of responsibility for having brought about this state of affairs in the fundamental physics. He became more mystical and started to believe that mathematical beauty alone, rather than experimentation, could point scientists in the right 
direction, yeah. right? Regretfully, when he discovered general rel relativity employing this strategy, he succeeded. And this experience spoiled him for the rest of his life, right? <laughs> so it is mathematically beautiful, so it has to be right. It has to map onto nature, right? And indeed, that's what Einstein found. He, he worked out the math, and the math was elegant, the math was beautiful, beautiful, and we found out that indeed it mapped onto nature. Right. And so these theories do the math, they seem elegant, they seem beautiful, so they have to be right. Yeah. Right? Unfortunately, that's also what we saw with Newtonian mechanics. <laughs> yes. we, we, we saw them talk about how beautiful and elegant and precise and just you know how great this was in fact um, uh, Newton then even went on to continue to have that mystical understanding of the, the spheres and trying to prove it while you know uncovering for for them kind of the secrets of the universe yeah. where where he was coming up with you know the, the ability to do calculus and and again you, you you do it and it and it works and it's great and yeah. you 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 take what you learn in math class and you tie it over to physics and the bouncing ball matches exactly what you learned in in your math class and you're like this is amazing this is this is i'm i'm learning math now and i'm going to say oh when am i ever going to use it whenever i kick a ball or That's right. or look yeah. at bodies in motion yeah. this yeah. is great and so then we just have to apply it and say well, okay, but then there are issues with it, and then we find out it's not true, and then we have to come up with two competing theories that uh, kind of hollow out the middle, but work great on both ends, but don't come together. They're they're the uh, you know the, uh, the the don't cross the streams. They just they, you know bad things come from it. You'll you're, you'll burn your face off. Kind so of th there is a catch though with string theory and and math, and, and you know what <laughs> it is. He says, catch. yeah. Unfortunately, there is no mathematical formulation of string theory. Oops. Man. Right? I thought that was like the, the test. <laughs> yeah. The story of string theory is not easy to tell because even now we do not really know what string theory is. We know a great deal about it, enough to know that it's, um, you know, something really marvelous. We know, uh, you know, much about how to carry out certain kinds of calculations in th string theory, but we do not have a good definition of it, nor do we know what its fundamental principles are. Right. So there's no mathematical, uh, you know, um, formulation of, of string theory. Yeah. So, ugh. You know, oops, you know, we, we, we kind of uh, we kind of missed the boat here. Yeah. So where have we been here? Well, what we've looked at here is um, uh, we looked at uh, uh, Newtonian. We started with Newtonian physics and said, oh, you know, science tells us what uh, what uh, reality is all about. Mm -hmm. And then we found out, no, it doesn't if you use Newtonian physics because there's more to reality than Newton was aware of right. and that he could explain. And so we came up mm -hmm. with these quantum theories and uh, relativity theories, right? Oh, why, and we breathe a sigh of relief. Oh, they tell us what reality is all about. Yes, but no, because now they're incompatible with one another, mm -hmm. and so one of them either has to be wrong, something is wrong, and so we come up with string theories or M theories or whatever, but there's problems there. They're untestable. We don't have the math form, so they don't tell us what reality is all about. So physics is a science that's supposed to tell us what reality is all about, and we still don't know what reality is all about, right. you know, ultimately with regard to um, the, these uh, these various physical mm. theories, right? right? And so we have, he says, we have decent reasons for thinking that our two best theories, uh, general relativity and quantum mechanics, are false <laughs> in important ways and that the best candidates for a replacement theory 
string theory and M theory and that sort of thing are untested and maybe untestable. So perhaps he says the future will show that the bets on string theory were well placed, but they, it doesn't show it now. Yeah, but right? but I see people going on podcasts and uh, writing books, and they talk about how great and amazing quantum mechanics are, and you know uh, general relativity, and how uh, you know revolutionary Einstein was. But they're also very coached in. Uh, never saying anything bad about this, and again, th this is the the kind of the attempt for science to kind of codify itself as as the uh, the arbiter of truth. And 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 when I say science, I of course mean scientists who have you know their own flaws and worldviews and objections to other people's worldviews that are attempting to kind of take the narrative and say. Yes, it's hard, but look, we're really smart people, and we've done things like double slit experiment. But this is what it really means, and you know, here's you know, we 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 are able to bend light, and we're able to you know uh, predict a black hole just from the math, and all these things seem to work. But then when you really look at it, it's it, it's getting them certain answers, but it's not getting them the answers. The that whole they're looking complete at. picture, right. right? And you know, we can we can. Quantum principle, quantum particles, do not follow what we would expect them to do from uh, general relativity theory. Right. They just don't do mm -hmm. what general relativity says they should right. do, right? Yeah. And then the medium size and large objects don't follow quantum uh, principles. They don't act that way, mm -hmm. right? And so these two theories are fundamentally different from one another, and they work in their areas. But clearly, there is no unification of both areas. String theory, then, is the attempt to do that. And again, it falls on its face. Right? Right. There's really no way to do it. Yeah. And so his conclusion is... Uh, claims <laughs> about what science has shown about God's existence. Why, why should we believe them if they cannot tell us about uh, the unobservable parts of physical reality? At the same time, they don't even tell us what the non-physical parts yeah, of reality right, are. Right. So they can't do it with what we see, and w they can't do it with what we don't see. So right. why should we believe them when they say, science has proven that God does not exist because, you know, uh, all these things. Uh, right. You know, we, yeah. we, we, we look at the very small, and we don't see little God particles moving in, and we don't look out in the vastness of space and see the throne of heaven. And, well, they do have the God particle. Well, they do have, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so, 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 I, yeah. I would not, I, I, they better hope God's not there because I'm pretty sure he has the best lawyers in the universe, <laughs> and, you know, co-opting his name. But, so, yeah. That, yeah so if we have reason, he says, to be skeptical about what our scientific theories tell us about the unobservable parts of physical reality, mm -hmm. right, like, Wait a minute, we're not sure what that's like. <laughs> Why would we believe what they imply about non-physical reality, right. that God doesn't exist and that sort of thing? If you don't get it right, if we have reason to be skeptical in this area, where you're supposed to be the expert and tell us exactly then in this other area why would we you know as good skeptics that is you sober, know, sober, yeah. sober skeptics mm -hmm. why would we believe you in this other area yeah. that you don't even deal with right 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 so that's the whole point of this chapter is why did we learn about string theory because string theory quantum mechanics um uh you know super string theory all, all the m theories all those are as of 2016, at the time of the writing of this book, are and have been the the best uh, attempts to answer 
of the, the physicalness of the entire universe. And so when you have then scientists scoff at, um, you know, whether or not there's a God, <laughs> well, they can't even tell you what's happening at, at you know, if, if they're at the one end, they can't tell you what's happening at the other end. And they can kind of t tell you what's happening in the middle, but then they have to refer back to a guy whose theory they supplanted with their own theory. And they just don't kind of tell you this. They're not, they're, they're not being intellectually honest about what science actually says. So that's why we've looked at why actual science is hard, why real science is hard. We looked at um, you know, the, the, the different points of, of having um, uh, arguing with success. Well, it just seems to work uh, in here. It's not even working. It's, you know, they, they come up with things that kind of work within itself, but you kind of have to coach it with, you know, the, the mysticism, the, the, the you know, uh, good practices and, and you know, uh, shaking the, the rabbit's foot over it and hoping that, you know, the, 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 the counterspin of the other arm. Yeah, 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 you know, we're, we're, we're just going to devolve back and we're going to find out animal sacrifices does, does, does the work. So why, what, what are we to do? We're supposed to be good sober skeptics, realize what actual science does, is doing, and what it actually says. And when it and has, what it can't do. Right, exactly. And so if it can't uh, tell us yet physical reality, truths, or workable truths even, um, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't take too much for, for a stake when they say um, things like, you know, uh, God doesn't exist, or there's no objective morality, or the laws of logic um, exist within the universe uh, that that doesn't pertain to, you know, um, uh, human existence. Um, so uh, th th that's what this whole approach was, and uh, we're coming up to the uh, to the to the end of the the chapter on yeah, science, where yeah, we're yeah. going to uh, be talking about um, metaphysics and um, coming up with. Uh, conclusions of what uh, science might actually say about about god right good so there we have it so we'll we'll uh next time we'll, we'll look at metaphysics yeah uh, because uh, you know that's and see see where we go from there mm -hmm. yeah so uh as always uh we we appreciate all the subscriptions that uh, have been happening um uh probably in a couple more episodes we'll have a special uh treat for you that is uh interesting that uh, we got to take part in and um we, uh, we ask that you just continue to keep liking and, and watching and commenting. We really appreciate it. So thank you, and we'll see you next week. See you next time.